humanity has been teaching us this structure and this method for thousands of years in the craftsman's traditions around the world. So this is not something new. It's just a way of looking at how are you going to spend those few years that you have here on the planet? Are you going to make a masterpiece of your life and know that you're doing it? Or are you just going to let life happen to you? And who knows what the result will be? Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 41. Have you ever wished that life skills were taught in school? If you've questioned your ability to live independently and navigate life successfully, you are not alone. Outside of what we learn from our parents, there doesn't seem to be a lot of guidance that tells us how to tackle the various stages of life. But there's a structure and framework to how to live life that we can follow rather than making it up as we go. This framework has been around for thousands and thousands of years and used across multiple civilizations. This framework can make life a lot easier and that, my friend, is the topic of today's discussion. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Charles Collins. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Umar, thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with you and and the audience that uh, that your podcast reaches is a, is a very important audience for the topic we're going to discuss. So I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely, that actually that's a yeah that's a good segue to to jump right in. And would you tell us a little more about who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm now in uh, what you'll hear about is the fourth phase of life as a craft, which is called the mentorship phase that begins around age 65 and takes you through the balance of your life the last 20 years plus, depending on how long <laughs> you live. And uh, in that phase of life, uh, in this framework called life as a craft, um, there are some very particular objectives, some very particular goals uh, that the framework uh, tries to make you aware of and to focus and concentrate on. And that particular focus is the idea of gathering up a package of knowledge and tools and things of that nature that you can leave as a legacy to the next generation, starting with your own family and down tree and out to the greater society at large. So I spend most of my time uh, developing that content, because when you take an entire life and you try to boil it down to some artifacts that are going to be meaningful to the next generation, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of stuff you leave out just to keep the good stuff in. How did this concept come about, life as a craft? How did you come up, come up with this concept? Well, life as a craft bubbled up out of some initial research as a young dad, as a young father, uh, thinking about the kinds of things that uh, we could teach our children and that, that went beyond schooling or beyond the things that they may learn in their church or their temple or their mosque. And it was the idea of 
you know, when someone grows up in their life, what are the two most important things that someone needs to learn to be successful and balanced and happy in life? And those two things were how you work and move within your family and the families you belong to, and then how you as an individual develop yourself and, and, and gain the knowledge and the skills to be successful across all the different areas of your life, not just your career. So that was the kind of the genesis. And uh, that was about a two-year journey of looking at all these different topics and ideas and trying to figure out how do we boil it down to the most essential. So in summary, the idea after looking at all the different topics and things that, that a young person might need to learn over the course of their lifetime in order to feel fulfilled and well-developed and not terrorized by always feeling off balance that they didn't know how to handle situations. What it revealed was that a sort of a collection of topics, like a curriculum started to form that showed that if we broke things down into a simple collection of what we call five master categories or the five elements, that we could approach learning life very much the same way we uh, are structurally taught in our schools, but even more so in our trades, occupations, and professions. You know, when you go to enter a, a place to learn about a trade or an occupation where you're going to be spending a great deal of your life, they have a very well-developed method. You know, they have all the different things you need to learn. Then they take you through those topics in a simple and more graduated and more detailed and more uh, advanced way. They help you practice and learn those topics and skills. And eventually, the whole idea is after you leave your schooling, which is the first phase in life as a craft, your apprenticeship, to go out into the world and practice your trade and your profession and make a name for yourself, it struck us that we that that's a very well structured and a very ancient framework that's been used all over the world for thousands of years for teaching us our trades and our professions. But we are not taught to look at the entirety of life that way. We're only taught to look at this subset. So life is a craft became kind of the catch theme that said, if we approached all of life in the same systematic way of learning and then practicing and improving, we could eventually make a masterpiece of our life and not just get good at one thing called our career. So that's how Life as a Craft began. That's interesting. When I was preparing for the for this episode, one thing that that I identified with was the fact that you have these elements, you call them these five elements that are basically the pillars of, of this framework. And it, it took me back to when I was younger, my, my parents every summer used to make sure that I did something. They would send me to, to become an apprentice. Basically, that's what it was. That's right. And I would be so in my life, I've been an apprentice of a lot of things. And to name a few, I've been an apprentice mechanic. I've been an apprentice tailor. I've been an apprentice welder. And I didn't quite understand why they were doing those things. But I later realized in life, like today, I will something will break in the house and I can fix it. 
even though I don't consider myself a very handy person. So when I was looking at your, your the elements, I know we talked about, and we'll, we'll dive into those elements if, if you will. So one of the first elements was something about family heritage. Can you talk more about that? Yes. So taking the structure that you were talking about, starting with apprenticeship, if you had gone into any of those, uh, uh, whether the welding or the tailoring or the mechanic, if you had gone deeper into that, you would have moved from apprentice onto journeyman. So you were out actually practicing that trade and that craft for money, for a salary. And then eventually what happens to most of us when we focus in on one particular trade or profession, we go on and eventually become a master in that trade or that craft. We know it well. We know everything about it. We have long experience. We're very good with the tools of the trade. We know all the different elements, you know. And at some time in life, a lot of times when we master something, we go on to teach. And that's becoming a mentor in that particular area. So the idea was, okay, those are the four phases we go through for all of those things. You, you were an apprentice in three separate things. And in those three things, they called you an apprentice. So you always start out as an apprentice. That's the learning phase in anything. So to your question, family heritage, that was the first of the five major categories in the craft of life mm. that we realized we need to learn. And what it basically says is that when we are very young and we're being raised by our parents, and then we reach the age of about 14, where we have that rite of passage into the world of the adults, and we begin going into our, really our apprenticeship phase and learning even more, one of the biggest things that, that has imprinted us before, and just as we're beginning that apprenticeship phase, is our family heritage, where we came from, the languages we speak, the culture in the world outside around our home, the stories of our ancestors that they tell us at the dinner table, the rites and the rituals that we observe in our home, maybe even family songs and symbols and all of these things that make us and imprint us the unique people that we are is called family heritage. But what's even more interesting is that as the individuals of a family go out into the world, they then have a personal heritage, the world that they are now going into as individuals that's going to imprint them and that they may then turn around and teach to their children. So this first element called family and personal heritage has about 10 or 15 different topics inside it, some of them I just mentioned, and that when it's put before us and we realize, oh my goodness, how important that is to imprinting and coloring who we are, that one of the first pillars in life as a craft to teach our children is, this is what heritage is. This is what it means to you. And it's not just the heritage in our home, but it's also the heritage in the world around us that's imprinting us, some of which we accept and some of which we decide not to accept. And so sometimes we don't even uh, look at it consciously. We don't even realize how much it's influenced us. But if you become a craftsperson and start thinking about those things, you start to realize, you know, I need to learn about this because some of those things I want to change as I begin making my unique masterpiece, which is my own life. So that's that's what family and personal heritage is all about. And it's it's a wonderful thing. And it stays with you for your entire life. Yeah, so in a way, it provi provides 
if we imagined a five five legged table, if that's a thing, great, we would family health would be one of the foundations of that table. That's right. right. And what would be the second one? The second one would be that each of us grows up inside a household. So the second major element to teach our children is that they need to learn to see and to understand and become skilled at family and household management. Now think about what that really is. And I'm going to take us back a thousand years into the old craftsman's workshops around the world. And when a craftsman, a master craftsman ran a workshop, if they did it well, everyone in that workshop was learning. Everyone in that workshop was working together and being respectful to one another. The workshop had guidelines and rules. Every one of us grows up in a house that has rules of the house, right? And sometimes those rules are well understood and clear, and other times parents are just picking things out of the air, and it causes distress. But you said something in our opening, which also gets into family and household management. A household is a physical place. It's a building. There are automobiles, there's the water heater, there's the sink and the toilets, and all these things need to be maintained and and you need to know how to fix them or bring someone in to fix them. So running a well-organized workshop, which is your family household, is the second major pillar for our children to learn. Otherwise, they go off and begin families of their own, and oftentimes it can be not a well-run place and cause a lot of distress and discomfort for the members of that family. You said something earlier that I found interesting about going out in the world and starting our own really, I guess, element here and starting to build our own, own pillar here. Is there an element in there of maybe trying to unlearn that if you come from a family where perhaps the the skills, for lack of a better term, that they passed on to you is not necessarily, you're realizing that it's not serving you well. Is there an element of maybe undoing that, maybe unlearning some of what your parents taught you if it's not serving you well or if it's not the right lesson that they passed on to you? Yes, and that also holds true in element one, family and personal heritage, because oftentimes the heritage and the rituals and the things that people do in the household that they you know, inherited from their parents, it just becomes like autopilot. Mm. And they just do it automatically without thinking why they're doing it or why they're saying it. And it's not necessarily a good thing. Well, that family and household management, you know, today in the world, there's a term called the dysfunctional family. And think about what that means. (laughs) Yeah. And if a family is dysfunctional, it's like a workshop that's not being run very well. It's poor processes and poor policies. So when you step back and someone puts it on the table for you, like we're talking about today, and you realize, you know, my parents try as they might, and God bless them, I love them. They weren't really skilled necessarily in the idea of running a home as if it were a workshop, like a business, that if it's well run and well put together, and the house is in the roof is not falling down around you. It can be a pleasant experience and gives you a foundation that you will bring into when you build your own home and your own family. But as you said, many times you'll look back and you'll say, 
I never learned this topic or that topic or, uh, you know, understood it quite that way or the way it was done in my home wasn't necessarily a skilled process. It was a something made up as they went along. And, you know, that happens all the time because life gets, you know, life is a lot of pressure, right? So when you are able to step back, and that's the idea behind the framework, and look at these things as things to be learned and then progressively improved upon and practiced, what starts coming out of it is the development of a well-rounded, skilled individual who is now leading a family household in a direction of progress and promise rather than being very tense and under a lot of pressure. So yes, we can change things. Interesting. So we talked about family heritage. That was the first one. The second one was family and household management. That's right. And what is the third one? So the third one that we looked at when we started modeling this framework based on the ancient workshops and how they've been run in every part of the world for thousands of years, we realized that in many traditions and cultures around the world, a master craftsman or craftswoman, according to the guild or the trade that they belong to, had to pass a test before they could open their own workshop. And that test was to learn how to run the workshop as a commercially successful enterprise, because that's what a workshop is. And if you run the workshop commercially profitably, it doesn't have to be abundantly wealthy. It has to be just profitably well run. That third major phase or element is called family and personal finance. And it's the idea around what does finance flowing into the home and out of the home mean to the members of that family? If you've, if you've ever been a person who grew up in a poverty-stricken home that had very little resources and was financially strapped all the time, that can be a very distressing childhood. It's a very difficult thing to grow up in. And you may not have learned good financial skills, both personally and then together with your partner when you start a home. What if one partner comes from a wealthy home where they didn't have that stress? And so they're willing to be spontaneous with their spending. But the other partner came from a home where everything was well taken care of and measured and you just couldn't spend money just like willy nilly. So they may be more conservative in their spending. Now those two partners come together they have to have a conversation about those styles in order for the financial structure of the house to operate correctly. And that brings us to a really another major problem, not only the dysfunctional family, but the family that separate, and it's a high rate of divorce because of financial trouble, financial structures that aren't done right. So that third major phase we need to teach our children is the idea of family and personal finance. That's interesting. In my experience, a lot of the challenges, the cause of the challenges that in relationships are have to do with generally some of the things that you're mentioning, just people being raised differently and approaching even finances, for example, that's a very good point. And it could go both ways, as you as you mentioned, if you are used to spending dropping $50,000 a night or when you go on a vacation and you marry someone who's 
who's coming from a more humble beginning or family, they may that may be a problem in your relationship. So that's a very good point. Yeah. And there's a fourth pillar. So the fourth pillar is it, when we started realizing that life is a craft, mm-hmm. something to be learned and progressively developed, we started asking the question, well, every craft has its primary material in the craft. Mechanics have machines. Tailors work with cloth and clothing, right? So each craft has its own primary material, and you need to know how that material works. Otherwise, you'll break it. You'll rip it. You, you, you don't work with it properly, and that's what the training and the teaching is all about. So what is the primary material in the craft of life? It's each of us, our own individual lives. It's the human being. Yet none of us are taught to look at ourselves as the material of the craft of our lives. We're taught to just kind of do things, but rather than saying, wait, a human being is an organic material like a tree or like clay, and it has characteristics to it. There's the inner human being and the outer human being, and they work together. And if they're out of balance and not well-maintained, then the human being, the material, is out of balance. And so if you're trying to work on yourself and craft yourself as a masterpiece, you need to progressively over your lifetime learn and understand this primary material that is you, the human being, Because only then, otherwise, you'll stress yourself too much. You'll push yourself too far like a piece of wood, and you may break it instead of working with its natural characteristics. But that requires training and learning. So element four is the human being. So for someone who is listening to that and saying, okay, how do I apply that concretely in my life? Do I need, what do I need to do do exactly? Is it it that... I need to do more of one thing, less than the other, or find a way to do a little bit of everything. If we were in a trade, uh, a craft in which we were going to a school as an apprentice, they would be teaching us the characteristics of the material. And they would then have us laying our hands on that material and progressively learning how to work with it, right? Mm -hmm. Little by little. Don't stretch it too far, but you can stretch it. Yeah, don't stretch it too far. It will break. So the idea, first and foremost, is if you don't approach learning about yourself, your inner self and how that works and your outer being and how you should take care of it, then the first key is you haven't learned about the material. So stop for a moment and start beginning the learning of what is the human being. I mean, and everyone is a little different and everyone needs to be taken care of in a different way and worked with. And little by little, you can strengthen it. And when you do strengthen it, you can go to the next level and do new things. You don't start. And yet the opposite uh, message is being sent today in social media. Everything is extreme, extreme sports, extreme happiness, extreme emotions, extreme physical tension, extreme eating. Everything is push it to the limit to see how far you can go with it. Yet a master craftsman would say, know what the limits are, but never push it to the breaking point. Always keep it in balance so that the end result, the end product, the end masterpiece that you create is something of beauty. It's something of strength. 
and it's something that has longevity and can be passed to the next generation. And this is where listening to the ancient words of the craftsman start giving us the idea of balance in our lives instead of extremes. I keep thinking, going back to when COVID first started and it forced everyone to lock down a little. Most people, I think, for the very first time in a long time, stopped and actually thought about their lives, thought about maybe their personal lives, their family, their jobs. And I, I can't help but think that it's there is a an aspect of maybe stopping and thinking, okay, is this the right career? Am I happy? Am I working too much? Or maybe saying, am I taking care of my body? Am I exercising? Am I exercising, exercising too much? And is that that uh, just having asking yourself those questions and saying, okay, what am I doing too much of? What am I not doing enough of? What do I need to do to take care of this aspect of myself? Is that what where, what you're... Yes, and in most cases, we are not taught what those topics are, what those subjects are. We get mm. a few of them. You know, they talk about emotional well-being, or maybe they'll talk to you about diet, or maybe yeah. they'll talk to you about exercise, or maybe they'll say, you know, do things that are healthy. Don't expose yourself to caustic environments, you know. But if you look at life as a craft and we go into that fourth element, there's probably 15 different topics by name mm. that you can look at for the inner human being and the outer human being. And when you name something... When you give it a name and then say, what is that topic mean? All of a sudden, it's something you can say, gee, I can start to learn that. But if you don't have that curriculum, those topics, then you're making it up as you're going along. It's intuition. You're flying by the seat of your pants and you don't make as much progress as if you followed kind of a roadmap. And we've created that roadmap. So we basically need someone to teach us. If, if not our parents, you need some kind of role model, some kind of process, some kind of mentor, someone to show you. These are the things that you need to do to take care of yourself uh, in terms of the pure self, whatever that could mean for you, whether it's uh, emotional, physical, uh, spiritual, along those lines. You need to be able to name the topic so you know what it is you want to learn. Hmm then you need to study and learn the topic from a mentor, a teacher who knows that subject. Then you need to progressively practice it from apprentice to journeyman onto mastery and then finally mentorship. So you follow the same pattern as you follow for learning your trade, anything in your occupation, in your life. Just continue to follow that pattern and you realize there is a method. There is a system I can now use, and it makes life a much more comfortable place than going out into the dark every day. Yeah, good point. So that's pillar for the human being. What is the, the, the fifth uh, pillar or element? So the fifth pillar is that we discovered for every trade, craft, occupation that we looked at, not only did they follow those same four stages of development, but they also had Every one of them had in common a primary material that they worked with in the trade of the craft, machinery or cloth or whatever the trade might be. And what they did was they used tools. Every trade and craft uses tools. And the tools are usually very particular to that trade or that craft. You use scissors to cut cloth. Well, you use metal snips when you're working in the mechanics workshop. 
So different tools for similar functions. So the fifth and final element is to bring to everyone an awareness that we are using tools on ourselves all the days of our lives. We're using mobile phones. We're using things in the kitchen. We're using things in the garage. We're using tools and practices on our internal cells that we really don't know how to use them unless we're trained and taught how to use them, focus or yoga or any of these things. So when you realize that the fifth element of life is tools and what you're using on yourself and how you're using those tools on yourself, a lot of people are going to step back and say, whoa, wait a minute, I'm really abusing my material with some of the tools that I'm using, I need to get a more balanced approach. And you know what? I need to learn how to use those tools better because in the way of craftsmen, they would never let the apprentice touch a tool until that apprentice had observed other craftsmen like masters using those tools skillfully and then incrementally practiced using the tools until the master said, oh, you're good. You know how to use that tool. You can now make your living. Well, why would you use tools on your life that you've never trained how to use? In your five elements, I, I saw one thing that you called out, which was time management, just as, a, as an example. So if I understand what you're saying, you're saying that there are various tools and time management is one of multiple, as you mentioned. It is. It's learning how to use that tool. So a person who has, for example, good time management or bad time management could drastically affect their lives or perhaps even how successful they are. Isn't it true? Yeah. So that's that's a very interesting concept. And, and to your point, there are many, many other things uh, to that uh, that we could talk about in terms of the tools for your life, whether it's mindfulness or whatever it may be. Now, someone may be listening to this and saying, well, this is great. I, I want to be the best person I can be, but why can't I just go through life and just do it the way my parents taught me and just, or fumble and try to figure it out by just experience. So you live and learn is the saying, right? So what's wrong with that approach? Or is there anything wrong with that approach? It's entirely up to you. And it comes down to one of two things. That, that approach is the approach that so many people for so many thousands of years have taken and it's the approach called intuition and flying by the seat of your pants. And at the end of it, how many times have you bumped your nose against the wall? And to the point where you're saying, I'm tired of trying to do this by myself with no guidance, with no idea of where I'm going and what I'm doing, or what is the context for which I'm doing this? So you kind of just spin and spin and spin and spin. Now, if you like spinning, then by all means, continue to spin. But there is an alternative. You could enter into a workshop where there's a master who says, oh, yes, you can spin. Spin here in the workshop in a controlled way where you're improving your spinning and you know why you're spinning and you're using the right tools when you're spinning so that you are progressively improving and seeing a finished result, a result that you have in mind before you even start the activity. Now, you have to realize that in a craftsman's workshop, whatever trade it is, is filled with creativity. 
Why? Because those craftsmen and craftswomen are so self-esteemed with their skill that they become the most creative people in the world. They are always thinking about new creative things and ideas and trying out new things, all because they know they have the skills. They'll climb mountains because they know how to climb mountains. And it thrills them every single time they do it. So that's the difference. And I have to say one thing. Humanity has been teaching us this structure and this method for thousands of years in the craftsman's traditions around the world. So this is not something new. It's just a way of looking at how are you going to spend those few years that you have here on the planet? Are you going to make a masterpiece of your life and know that you're doing it? Or are you just going to let life happen to you? And who knows what the result will be? Yeah, I I keep thinking about the fact that there may be people who are actually not even conscious of the fact that they don't know what they don't know. That's right. We don't know what we don't know. How could we? Yes. Right. So for those people, what should they be asking themselves, whether they're a new adult or maybe a millennial or wherever they are in life? Just is it a matter of just stopping and saying, I've been doing it this way for 20, 30 years. Do I need to do it differently? Is it that simple? Well, I think you could do that, but I think it's kind of like comparing someone who has been trying to learn how to fix a washing machine for years on their own, taking it apart, mm-hmm. breaking it, having screws left over, going, geez, where do these come from? I don't know where they go. And they can continue to do that over and over intuitively. Or they can realize, like most people do today, they go on YouTube and they have someone who takes them through the step-by-step process because they know that if they follow a recipe, they're going to get a particular outcome. They can see it before they even begin the work. It's so natural. We all do it every single day. So the point here is, well, how could I approach practicing life as a craft? Is it on YouTube? Is there a structure? And the you're bringing to your audience today that, yes, there is. We have created that framework. It's visible for you to go see. You can realize when you look into on the website at the five elements and the four phases, everything, the structure is there in front of you, just like looking at a catalog going to a school. Oh, I'm going to go to this college. Here are the things that they're going to teach me over the next four years. It's there for you. You don't have to invent it. You don't have to spend your time getting frustrated, trying to think what could be. You can go there and say, aha, it's like a YouTube video. I can now decide that is interesting. Let me start studying that topic. And you can work through it for the rest of your life. Very insightful. Is there anything else, any final words that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Yeah, I I would say this, that there is an alternative way to approaching life that is not just uh, making it up as you go. And that way was created for us thousands of years ago by our four ancestors, the men and the women up our family tree and across the world that created these trades and crafts and structures and learning. And we have all been living in that ever since we were children. But when we leave the house, 
And if we don't have that framework to continue for the rest of our lives, there's a big black hole. So we're here to say today, we fill that hole. We have that template. It doesn't tell you what to think or learn. It, it shows you the topics that you can learn. And when you start to develop these, depending on what your needs are, you're on your way to making a masterpiece of your life instead of a guessing game of what is it going to look like when it comes out of the oven. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. And Charles, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? We have uh, we have a journal that's online right now at lifemasterpiecejournal.com. And we are currently in the process of creating the Life Masterpiece Workshop, which will be the place where you can go into and not only see the journal, but you will now have your own personal workbench where you can now actually do this work for the rest of your life. Well, thank you very much. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes of this episode so people can, can go directly to your site and, and check that out. Thanks, Umar. I think you've asked some great questions. I enjoyed that conversation today. Yeah, likewise. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. That was my interview with Charles Collins. The most important takeaway for me is that even though life can seem challenging, you don't have to wing it. Our ancestors and those who came before us did a lot of things right, including leaving us with a set of tools for how to live life to the fullest. I hope that these five elements that we discussed today can take some of the guesswork out of life for you. I know that some people have life figured out better than others. Maybe that's you, maybe that's not. But what I would encourage you to do is to continue to learn and to grow. And sometimes the best way to do that might be to get a coach to help you figure out the things that you haven't yet figured out by yourself. I find it interesting that we spend years going to college, we spend months learning to drive, we spend years and years doing other things, but when it comes to life, we are not as willing to put the same effort and energy to learning it. So why is that? My hope today is that in the time that we've spent together, I sparked a thought that will push you to take control of your life and be more purposeful about the direction you want it to take. If what you heard here today resonated with you, I would like to give you additional guidance and coaching. It's a brand new year. Happy New Year, by the way. It's good to have you on this brand new year. And I have some openings on my calendar. And I would like to invite you to book a discovery call so I can help you live your best life. Go to the show notes of this episode and tap the link to book a discovery call. You can find the show notes for today's episode on my website at umarjang.com forward slash session 41. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please rate it and follow it on your favorite podcast app. This is really helpful for two reasons. It helps more people discover the show, but it also tells me how well I am doing so that I can better serve you. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.